The first full week of the Detroit Tigers offseason is upon us. And today we're going to start off with a mailbag. As promised last week, you guys sent in a ton of questions. They're all really good. So we're going to talk about that and answer all of your questions. Mailbag show, baby. Today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers. Your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, October 10th, 2022. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Okay, so as we send the cold open, mailbag show today, as we said last week, this was always the plan. Do a Monday mailbag show, give you guys the whole weekend to uh, ask some questions, fire away there. I got a lot of really cool questions that I think are going to lead to some pretty fascinating conversations. Some of them, uh, if they're individual player-based, will we will go more in-depth on when we do our player breakdowns for everybody. That will start tomorrow. I'm going to try to get through. I have like an in-between amount of questions, like enough where I'm very confident and comfortable that we can fill one show but not enough where I think that we're going to get two whole shows out of it. So it might just be like a longer episode today. Maybe I talk really fast and get through them. I don't know. Unlikely because we know how much I like to talk, but uh, do have plenty for a show today. And then we will start our player breakdowns. Um, Is important to note that as the weekend started, because I know that some questions had to do with personnel firings and and, and Scott Harris and whatnot. Uh, so it's just important to note that going into – well, over the weekend, going into this episode, uh, Scott Police was fired, who has been the director of scouting for a lot of years and has been with the organization for 15 years. And then on the coaching level, Scott Coolball gone – I know that a lot of people were wanted Scott Coolball. There's actually a question about the coaching staff and, and why it took so long to even make these changes, so we'll get to that. Uh, Mike Hessman, the real-life um, – oh, my goodness, Crash Davis. Uh, Mike Hessman and Ramon Santiago were also relieved from their duties at the major league level but were offered positions and the development side of things that will probably lead them back to Toledo – I haven't heard anything on if they have accepted that, if they're willing to do that or whatnot, but that is currently, they will not be on the major league staff on opening day of next year. So that's noteworthy as well. Uh, Gary Jones is back. Alfredo Azamaga is back. Amazaga, geez, is back. Um, yeah. And then obviously AJ and, and, and Fetter are very much staying. So just some personnel stuff. And like I said, we'll, we'll get more in-depth on those. There's a couple of questions about the coaching staff, so I'll, I'll dive a little deeper into that when we get to that. But let's just uh, let's get right into it. I say right into it. We're like almost four minutes deep. Let's get into some of the questions here. Uh, we got a lot of really a lot of really cool ones, so uh, you guys are, are, are the best. There's a lot of uh, really interesting discussions that can come out of this. We're going to start with uh, Kevin Roberson. Roberson, Roberson, whichever. I apologize. Um, so good questions, best seats in Comerica 
for starters. So my favorite value seats as far as what you're paying for and the product you get is upper deck right behind home plate. Those are the best value seats, in my opinion. I think that they're not terribly expensive. You know, they're not the like $12 seats that you're getting, you know, way up high third base side upper deck, like in one of the last rows or anything, but they're, they're pretty good value seats. And it is a perfect view of the everything, like kind of a bird's eye thing right behind home plate. Beautiful. That is my like best value that I'll sit up there a lot every summer. So that's my answer to uh, to that one. Favorite places around Comerica, man. I, I think like Little Caesars Arena is a cop out answer, I guess. But um, that whole other side of Woodward has so much stuff now. There's a lot of really cool bars. Uh, Tin Roof is really popular, obviously. But even if you're not looking for like you know the the party, not party, but you know like the loud like nightclub bar scene type of stuff, there's a lot of really cool restaurants over there. Um, that are open during the day. So like a, a lot more than I can name. So there, there's a lot of really fun stuff to do on the other side of Woodward from Copa. Um, any tigers autographs or pictures with players? Yeah. So I have tigers autographs from, I was in middle school, I want to say, and I keep score at every game as y'all know. And before the game started, I, I think my dad had won like really good tickets through his work or something. And for some reason, we were like two rows back on the third base side, which is never like we always got the, the cheap seats because that's what more of, of what we could afford. And for whatever reason, we had really, really good seats that day. And a bunch of pitchers walked out. It would have been 20, uh, ooh, 2009. Or 20, when was Edwin Jackson's year as a Tiger? 2010-ish, give or take a year? Um, that Because I got Edwin Jackson's autograph and Justin Verlander's and Rick Porcello's. All of the pitchers walked from the bullpen to the dugout before the game. And I was a kid. I was in like fifth, sixth, seventh grade at the most. I think I was in fifth or sixth grade with some of my buddies. And I had a pencil and a scorecard, and that's all I had. So I asked them to sign the pencil and the scorecard. Didn't keep score that day. Because my scorecard, that's still hanging. Uh, I take it everywhere I go. Well, everywhere I live. That's still hanging in my room to this day. Um, yeah, Justin Verlander, Rick Porcello, Edwin Jackson. I think those are the three on it. Um, I have Chris Shelton's autograph from a long time ago. Dimitri Young. I have his autograph. Pictures with the Tigers. Uh, I have Chris Shelton and Dimitri Young's picture. Oh, Nate Robertson. I have his, uh, met him at a Kroger gum time, like right at the peak of gum time. Um, yeah, got quite a few there. So runs deep. A lot of it when I was uh, more younger, I guess, but still super cool. Um, next up, we have more on the personnel side of things. We have, what are your thoughts on AJ Hinch this year? This one specifically comes from Will Hinton, but... Uh, somebody later in the show, later in the show, somebody else also asked about AJ Hinch. Um, oh, here it is. John Landry said, why does AJ Hinch get a pass on the season? He was nearly 
canonized in 2021 when the team slightly overperformed 2022 was a catastrophic and i haven't heard anything about hinch sitting on his hands as the team sunk to historic lows in offense and a weak defense so we'll just two birds with one stone just pretty much the same questioners thoughts on aj um nothing is inexcusable for this season for anybody i don't think anyone would tell you otherwise i don't think aj hinch would tell you otherwise that was as you put it, a catastrophic failure. It objectively was. Um, I will say that I still believe that A.J. Hinch is the person for this job going forward. I still believe that A.J. Hinch is a good manager. I think that pointing at coaches and managers as to why no one could hit fastballs down the middle is like slightly trivial, not entirely. Again, no, everyone is to blame and no one is off the hook. That's, that's, I completely agree with that sentiment. Um, but as far as like fireable offense, AJ Hinch is like not even in the top 10, maybe not even the top 20. If I had to make a list of reasons why the Tigers were so bad this year, I'm not sure AJ Hinch would even be in the top 20. He would be on the list eventually. I don't think he had a perfect season. Um, but I still trust him. I, I still like the analytics that he uses. I still like the way that he manages games. I It didn't work this year, but it's nice hearing about the mindset if you can win each day. Again, didn't work this season, but for whatever that's worth, which is not much, I guess. So it's, it's tricky because I, I completely agree that he is not off the hook. I, I I don't think, again, no one is. that that This was terrible. But when I look at building this team going forward and like I'm looking at 2023 and I'm looking at 2024 and what we need to do to be a more competitive product, I don't think a change at manager immediately affects or changes the outcome of next season. And I also still very much believe that AJ Hinch is very good at his job. Um, it's just a matter of putting in other coaches around him, A, because the rest of the coaching staff did not allow we, – we have a Scott Coolball question later. Um, but I, 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 do, I do still believe in him. This is a big year, admittedly. 2023 is like a really – because we've had one overperforming year and one underperforming year, right? So this year is obviously – but I'm also not – the kind of person that I feel like a lot of people just need a scapegoat. Like they just need one. It's like, Oh my goodness, something went wrong. Like I need somebody to be able to point at and be like, that's like whose fault this is. And again, if I was to make a list of all the things that went wrong and who's at fault for how bad this season one is AJ Hinch would not be anywhere close to definitely my top 10 reasons that this season was a catastrophic failure. So not as much of a sit on hands because I do still believe in him and, and I still think he's the dude for the job. I'm not just like, oh, well, you know, you're not going to get anyone better and like why fire him or, or whatnot. I, I still believe in him going forward. But um, yeah, it, it's certainly a conversation. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to make it sound like I know all and, and that, you know, I, I think it's ridiculous if you have another opinion on the matter. Um, but, but cause I, I mean, he's already polarizing as is right. He came in and with the cheating thing and the Astros, he was already a polarizing figure, but, um, I am, I am 
not that worried about A.J. Hinch and his ability to be a manager for this baseball team. That's my my short answer of the last two minutes is he is not on my list of things I'm worried about for like hindering this team's growth. I think A.J. Hinch will grow with the team. I think uh, that he's still the right man for the job. Okay, let's get into our first break and then we'll answer some more questions. Yeah, I don't think I have any other really transition besides that. We're going to talk to you about our friends over at Simply Safe first, though. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe Home Securities to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. And that's Simply Safe. Your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe in my own place. They protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who will always have your back. It's amazing. With 24-7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents can call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in the case of an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. Simply Safe blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and outside your home, smarter ways to detect motion that only alert you when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, and other threats in your home. Their monitoring experts use proprietary advanced response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes and at simplysafe.com slash MLB, You can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month for free. Visit simplysafe.com slash lockdown MLB to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Segment two of Lockdown Tigers mailbag show today. Uh, next up, let's do this one. This one's from Sam. Uh, the Scots trade places, and you were hired by the Tigers. Who is the first to go, and who do you try to acquire first? This is a great question, A, because it fulfills my fantasy of running the Detroit Tigers, but um, th- this might be the closest I ever get. Having someone named Scott be the dude calling the shots is probably the closest I ever get to actually being in charge, um, which is sad because it's nowhere close, but I'm going to take it and run. First to go, to be completely honest with you, first to go might have already happened. Like Scott Coolball was is probably the answer to that. If you're talking about personnel-wise, um, I think Jonathan Scope, to whatever extent, whether it is just out, like bought out, give him some money, cut him, send him on his way, or I, I can't believe you would find a trade partner, but like maybe you do like a Robbie Grossman type deal where somebody gives you some 22 year old in single a and is just like, Oh, maybe like total shot in the dark. Right. Um, I, I think that that's probably the first one I would do of people that are under contract next year. Obviously there's a lot of dudes that have expiring deals or like Tucker Barnhart is not going to get re-signed, but he isn't technically under contract anymore. And he's just not going to get brought back. So like that would, I guess also be up there, but as far as people, that are technically under contract or at least under team control next season. Um, I think Scopey is probably the first person that I would uh, let go. Next one is from, let's see here. Uh, Let's do from Mitch. 
Okay. Mitch says, do you think the 2023 Detroit Tigers version will be play the kids philosophy or sign a bunch of vets in order to dramatically improve the win-loss record? Thank you. Love the show. Uh, appreciate you, Mitch. Thank you. So I think that I, – I don't think that it's going to be a complete – we're not going to make any moves this offseason and just a bunch of kids are going to come up and get all the opportunities. I don't think that that's where they are anymore. I don't think that that's where they want to be anymore. And I also think just from a depth perspective, you don't. we've seen so easily the last two seasons how quickly depth can just run dry and how you can be like, oh, I have one backup. Well, okay, if both of those dudes get hurt, then you're hosed. And like that, we, we've seen that so much, especially on the pitching side of things. So I, I genuinely believe that this team is going to bring in. I don't. I feel like the word like vets in baseball almost gets like a bad rap of like, oh, you're signing someone that's 35. Like, no, I, I don't think we're just gonna have the oldest team in baseball either. Like, I think you're gonna see dudes in there, whatever, like late 20s, you know, that are free agents maybe for the first time in our in our exiting team control. Like, I, I think that there's a there's just the word like, Oh, like MLB veteran people just immediately think of dudes in their mid thirties. And, and you know, you, you can be a, a six, seven year vet at 27, 28 years old. So like, I think that they will look at players that are kind of in that age range. I just expect such a, a overhaul of, of personnel and such a significant turnover that I find it really hard to believe that that turnover would just be letting everybody go and then filling in the gaps with people that are already in this organization and in a farm system that ranks really like low, um, which I, I think is also too dramatic. I think this farm system is better than what people think. But regardless, that's just like from a depth perspective, that's really dumb. So I think that they're they're trying to take a step in the right direction. I don't think they're just going to do the, oh, a bunch of kids are going to play and that's, you know, we're just going to get them experience and suck again for another year on purpose. I think the like hardcore rebuild years are, are kind of behind us. So I expect them to bring in um, outside talent and yeah, technically MLB veterans, but I don't want to say that and give you the impression that they're going to get a bunch of 40 year olds. Um, from AJ, we have, do you think scope candy Barnhart and Soto will be gone opening day, 2023? I am very confident. Barnhart, there's literally no way. Tucker Barnhart played his last game with the Detroit Tigers. There is a 0% chance that Tucker Barnhart is on this team. The second the World Series ends and like free agency and not re-signing people and non-tenders and all that, Tucker Barnhart is is gone. He, he will not be here. Um, when it comes to, I kind of put scope and candy in slightly similar boats. Uh, scope is under contract for next season and Candelario is under team control for next season, but would have to go to arbitration or sign a one-year deal to avoid arbitration. I think that, and, and again, with the two of them, we will get into them and their player breakdowns and like really what went wrong and what we can really expect for this off season. But my initial answer is no to both. I think it's really difficult to justify Jonathan Scope being on this team next year. I think it's really difficult. Um, and then when it comes to Jamer Candelario, I think that this – I think he's a very solid non-tender candidate. I think he's he's a really – one of the biggest storylines, I think, of this offseason is going to be 
Jonathan, sorry, Jamer Candelario, non-tendered or tendered, um, or sent to arbitration, I guess, or or not. My initial thought is no, but he is one, him and Soto could be on the team next year. They could. But if I had to give you an answer right now, I'm saying Scope is gone, Candy is gone, Barnhart is gone. Soto, I really am super 50-50 on Greg. I'm really right in the middle on it because he's objectively a talent and, and it has intangibles that, that are really hard to develop and teach. But it's just been such a train wreck with the command. Maybe they they we know that Scott Harris likes to bring in more coaches. We know that he's going to bring in more coaches and have a bigger staff than the Tigers had last year. I don't know. I guess if I had to say right now, I would say he's on the team on opening day just because like the, the price maybe has to be right. And like, are you just going to let go of a dude with years of control left that throws a hundred as a lefty for nothing? Probably not. But I like, are you going to get the price you want? I don't know. His market is so weird that I'm, I'm just, he, he's not going to be like cut or anything. You, if that's, that's way too dramatic. He's not going to be like non-tendered or, or not re-signed or whatever. Like he, he'll he'll either be back or be traded. Those are the only two options. He, he's not just going to get cut. He's not that bad. So my initial answer is he is the only one of those players you mentioned that is back. But it's a really tough one. I, I It would not shock me at all if I came on here during winter meetings. It was like, oh, let's break down the Gregory Soto trade. That would not surprise me whatsoever. Okay. Let's get into the rest of these questions uh, right after this. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. Uh, we have a question from Wayne. He says, I think it's hard. I think it's so hard to predict how much money will be spent this offseason and who will be traded for whom. But in your opinion, what is the position that the Tigers will make the most impactful acquisition? I love this question. Uh, because I too I agree with everything you said. I think it's much a much more uh, meaningful conversation to talk about the positions that will be added than like oh this player or this player, um, because a lot of the times you're just splitting hairs. So, as far as position that the Tigers will make the most impactful acquisition of this offseason, it's really hard for me not to just take the easy answer and say starting pitcher. I think that that's a, a pretty a pretty easy one because it's a blatant need. Like there's no way the Tigers don't bring in at least one, probably two starting pitchers this offseason. There's no chance you can just look at the roster and be like, yeah, we don't need one of those. So I think that that's the really easy answer. But if you were to go, if I had to give a different one, just because I feel like that is such a slam dunk, I think middle infield and, and whether it's second base and you keep Javi at short, or whether it's short and you move Javi to second, I don't really care. But that is something that, again, I would let go of Jonathan Scope as of today. So that is something that needs to be addressed. I'm not starting Ryan Kreidler at either of those positions for 162 games. He has not hit, hit nearly well enough this entire season at any level for me to have confidence that he can be the everyday starter yet over 162. He might develop into that one day. We hope he does, obviously. Um, and, and like, besides that, 
there, there's nobody else that's really even remotely proven that can play either of those two positions, again, over 162. So I think that that's my secondary answer behind starting pitcher, which I think is the really easy one. Um, okay, this one's from Frozen Ball. Uh, you mentioned on the podcast that you would not be surprised if half the roster was gone next year. Can you name two to three players with significant roles in 2022 to be playing elsewhere next season? Yes, and I, I want to not give – I feel like giving kind of the same players almost a cop-out, but, like, it does technically answer your question. <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not trying to, to wiggle my way out of tough questions, but, like, Jonathan Scope and Jamer Candelario and Tucker Barnhart, um, I, I think are, like, the three slam-dunk answers there. People outside of that um, – Look, I, I don't think that you're going to see a slew of trades per se. I think that a lot of the movement is just going to be like Tyler Alexander is a 50-50. Uh, it would not shock me if Tyler Alexander was, was even with years of control left, was um, not brought back, non-tendered, and, and just kind of let go. And then I don't think he would get a starting role anywhere, but... Uh, you know, maybe the same role that he's had here the last couple of years somewhere else. It wouldn't surprise me if Tyler Alexander was back either. I'm not advocating for saying that he's like good as gone like some of those other dudes. He's kind of a 50-50 one. Um, I, I mean, like if Michael Panay doesn't retire, like I guess maybe him. I don't know if that's really prominent. Um, but I don't think we're going to see a lot of trades. I don't think that this is going to be an offseason where like Gregory Soto maybe – but I, I don't think that this is going to be an offseason where, like, you know, we're trading people that were middle of the lineup hitters or like prominent pitchers in this organization this season. I think most of it, when I say that a lot of the roster is going to go away, it's a lot of the dudes that have a year left of control and didn't do well this year or are, have one year left on their deals or on just expiring deals and just not going to get brought back, period. That's where I think a lot of it's going to go. Or like those 4A kind of fringe 40-man dudes. Like John Lester is, is not going to be on this team next season. You know what I mean? Like those are um, Miguel Diaz, probably not. I think that those are the players that are going to get mostly moved. I'm not sure outside of, you know, I, I guess the most prominent would be Jamer and Scope. So I, I don't want to recycle answers, but I don't want to just give you like hot take, like Javi's getting traded. Like, I don't think that's happening. So like, that's kind of similar answer to that one as well. Um, Let's see here. Let's go to Chris. Uh, Chris says, who would be your pick for 2023 Tigers rookie of the year? I absolutely love this question. And when will we see Wilmer Flores and Andre Lipsius make their MLB debut? Great question. For 2023 Tigers Rookie of the Year, we saw this year that really can come out of nowhere. So, like, it's there's a, a plethora of possibilities, right? Um, I mean, we like nobody in their right mind would have expected Kerry Carpenter to do what he did this year. And I'm, I don't think Kerry Carpenter is going to win Rookie of the Year. I think it, it's Tigers Rookie of the Year is probably just kind of has to be Riley Green. And it's not even like he lit the world on fire, but like, I don't really know where else you go. Um, is that dumb? Is there, I feel like there's someone I'm like maybe blatantly missing, but no, I think you kind of just have to give it to Riley. Um, so, but, but my point is with the Kerry Carpenter thing, like people can come out of nowhere and just like people, a flip, a flip, a switch can flip and you can just turn it on. Um, I, honestly, 
to I I think you might have like stolen my answer in your question. I would love it if Andre Lipsius got a legitimate look. I don't think he'll get enough playing time next year. Like I'm not saying that Lipsius is going to get a significant role on the team next season. I don't think he's on the opening day roster or anything. Um, but like if injuries happen or whatnot, and he needs to be called up. I think that it would be like pretty sweet if he got a legitimate look because I love him. He's one of my favorite. If he might be my favorite prospect in the entire Tigers organization, I love him on base percentage. Draws a ton of walks, doesn't strike out a lot. I love him. So as far as when we will see Wilmer Flores and Lipsius, I think, well, first Lipsius has to get added to the 40 man, because if we don't, he's going to get lost in the rule five. We had that conversation a few weeks ago. Um, so that's like his first thing he has to overcome is like actually getting put onto the 40 man roster this off season which is already kind of up for grabs and, and not a guarantee, but also definitely not something you look at and go absolutely not. So we'll see what happens with that uh, leading up to the Rule 5 draft. When is that, December? Uh, Wilmer Flores, I think, I think I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Reese Olsen, I think, will make his MLB debut next season and it'll be out of the Tigers' bullpen. I'm fairly confident in that. Wilmer Flores, I think they really want to work as a starter. So I think that he could get a look next season, maybe later in the year, second half of the season. Uh, or if a lot of injuries happen again, maybe he has to get called up a little bit earlier. But I think that they're also going to really, not baby him, but I think they're going to really not push him too much because they're really high on him as they should be. Um, and he has very like small chance of still like bullpen future as well for him too. But they're going to try to make him work as a starter. And so, yeah, I would say at the earliest for Flores, like second half of next season. And Reese Olsen, I think, might come. I know you didn't mention him, but I, I think he could come up really at any point next year and be out of the pen if he starts off well in Toledo next year. Lipsius... If they add him to the 40-man, he will debut next season because you're not going to make that addition and take up an entire 40-man roster spot just to not utilize him at some point. Um, but that's like the first hurdle that that he has to overcome. He's got to get put on the 40-man first before we can get uh, too much further. Um, let's see. What else do we have here? Do you think this one's from uh, Johnson Family Farm? Do you think JV will come back? And if you do, do you think he will help the starting rotation? Well, if Justin Verlander was to come back, he would obviously – I mean, I, I he's my Saw Young vote this year. Might be some bias in there. Don't care. He had like a – what, a 1-8 ERA, sub 1-8 ERA as like a 40-year-old coming off Tommy John. He is unbelievable. So, obviously, if he came back in the rotation, he would certainly help it. Uh, and, he, and he would uh, very much be a starter. Ver the Verlander reunion is something that has been talked about for a long time with this team, really ever since he left. Um, I wouldn't hold my breath. I think if it was going to happen, it was going to happen last year, and it didn't. And I don't think the Astros are going to be too keen to just let go. I don't care how old he is. I don't think they're just going to let go of a dude that just won Cy Young. You feel me? Like, that's a really tough sell especially with the fact that the Astros are still in contention more than you, right? That the Astros are, they're my pick in the American league to make the world series. Like I think the Astros are an unbelievable, they're the best team in the American league. I think they're insane. So 
I, I just, as the Houston Astros, I don't think you're going to look around and go, okay, our window is still now. We still have all of the core to make another run. Let's not bring back our presumably reigning Cy Young winner. Like, I I just don't see that happening. So I would not hold, like I said, if there was ever a year to do it, it would have been last season when he was turning 40 or 39 and coming off Tommy John. And it was a big question mark about how healthy he was and how effective he was going to be because of, because of the Tommy John and everything. Last year was the year, and it didn't happen. And now I think the Astros are probably just going to hold on to him until he's not an effective pitcher anymore. I, I think the if the Tigers at any point do get him back, it would be like a one-year reunion, and he's going to be like 45 and have like a 4-5 ERA and not be – the amazing pitcher that that he is anymore just to like end the season with end of the career with us but i don't even know if that's going to happen I, I just i wouldn't hold my breath at this point i think the situation like i said last year was really the year um we have one from susan talk about cabrera if he was joe nobody he would have been dfa'd long ago why is everybody afraid to be honest so yeah obviously miguel cabrera is is not effective uh, not nearly as effective as it used to be. Objectively true. Um, few things to keep in mind. One, this was a historically bad offense. Miguel Cabrera's numbers fit in right with everybody else's. <laughs> that he was not even an outlier this year. He was like middle of the pack hitter for this team because of how historically bad it was. Now, next season, you're presuming that you're going to get better. So hopefully, that is not the case. Um, and, and hopefully, we can get some some a much better lineup, but his numbers were like, not really an outlier His season numbers. I know he went through stretches that were not good, but his season numbers weren't even like that crazy, much, that much different from everybody else's. Cause that's how bad we were. Um, he's going to have the farewell tour. Like that's just what's going to happen. And you have to realize how many tickets he puts Comerica's first sellout since like the Bush administration was this season because of the chase to 3000 hits. And last year when he was chasing down 500 home runs at the end of the year, we were selling out stadiums for the first time in forever. Like that's just, that's something that nobody else on this team can provide no matter how good or poorly he hits. And he's going to get the farewell tour and people late in the season next year, no matter how good or bad our record is, are going to come watch Miguel Cabrera one last time. And ownership knows it, and management knows it. And I don't think anyone's being dishonest about his production, at least the like the circle that I run with. I don't think anyone is like, pretending like he's some really good hitter still. I think everyone's pretty aware um, that he's just like not very effective and has no power. Like He had five home runs this year. Like The power is gone. All of it's just singles. Um, the, the production, the little production that he does have. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's a dishonest thing. I think, I think it's just, you just have to realize how much money he's going to bring in on a farewell tour. And like, they're not just going to let that go. So, um, just how the business works and he will be on the team next year. He might not play very much. Um, but he'll, he'll be around next season. Um, okay. We have not saying this is, this is from Kendrick, not saying this is the direction they will go or should go, but you never know. Do you think Chris is going to give Scott Harris full reins to spend whatever on whoever 
namely Aaron Judge. Do you think Aaron Judge plus a top-end starter, another bat, and a healthy Tigers team would be competitive? And what would it take to get Judge to Detroit? Nothing. (laughs) Um, I would cry tears of joy. And maybe this is just me being a pessimist and being like, hey, don't get your hopes up so that you don't get let down. But I don't think Judge is leaving New York. I I would be stunned if the Yankees did not bring him back. Like, you're the New York Yankees, and your dude on your contract year just set the AL home run record. I don't think it's really an option anymore for the Yankees, like, given their fan base and their ownership. I don't think it's really an option to not bring him back. I think they will they will get him. I think it'll be a hefty contract, eight to ten years, over three hundred mil. It'll be a lot, and I don't think the Tigers. I don't think that's that's a possibility. Um, now, when it comes to the free agent market and just will he have free reign, people forget not forget. Um, last off season. We did spend a little bit, and I'm not saying we spent a ton, and I'm not saying that we broke the bank, and we did take the cheapest shortstop option, and we didn't get you know some Cy Young caliber starting pitcher, um, but we did spend more than we have in the last six or seven years last offseason. So I don't think it's impossible for the Tigers to go in this offseason and give out significant money. Now, do I think that they're going to give out a $350 million contract to him or Correa or someone? No, but I do think that you're going to see a lot more just like solid deals. I think you're going to see like, like right now, this roster is literally full of two, three dudes that make like legitimate solid money in Cabrera, Erod and Javi. And then really outside of that, it's all dudes on like arbitration and like team control that are have very small contracts. Like that's pretty much it. So I think you're going to see just more of the surrounding moves. You're going to see, I don't even know how to word what I'm saying. I'm so sorry. But like the, the I don't think you're just going to see one contract given out. It's 300 mil. Oh, look, the Illich has spent money. Everybody else is still like in their first three years and not making anything. I think that this is a legitimate, you're going to see a lot of deals given out of like, oh, this is like a $30 million deal for two or three years. And that's, you know, 10 or 15 AAV. That's something we don't really have a lot of. Like, I think that that's more of what's going to happen is you're going to see a lot of fillers that raise the talent of this team around it more so than just like one mega deal and like, oh, look, they spent. I think that's more of what I'm expecting. I could be wrong, but that's more of my expectation for uh, the offseason, I think. Um, Let's see if there's anything else here. I know I'm way over time, but again, I was kind of in that in-between where I didn't really have um, enough for two shows. Oh, oh, this is the one I want to talk. This is from Jones. Uh, He says, why weren't the hitting coaches fired earlier in the season? I personally have no idea. A shakeup in the coaching staff doesn't necessarily mean everything is going to get fixed, but it sends a message that things aren't going well, and there's at least an effort to change things, especially when you have these young hitters like Torque and Green uh, who are ingesting more information from coaches than veteran players are. Yeah, so that's definitely a, a legitimate question 
I think these are all legitimate questions, but um, I think that once you got to a certain point, like there is not a elite hitting coach that's just like out there in July, right? Like the market for hitting coaches, it, like the only option would have been to fire him and then promote someone else internally that all these dudes really already know. And like, I agree with you that it would have sent a message. That's objectively true. But when you're talking about what they would have done instead, that becomes a really, like again, like the, the, the answer is not just waiting out there in the middle of a season. Like all the good hitting coaches are on teams. So I don't think it was as black and white as like, oh my goodness, they, 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 I agree, school, school ball. Scott Coolball, uh, definitely like that would have been my first order of business. Like I said, at the beginning of the show would have been to fire him like that without a doubt, like definitely needed to go. But I, I, when it comes to the mid season firing thing, like, yes, I, I wouldn't have been against it. Trust me. Like I, I would have been totally fine if he got canned in June or may, like I, I, I'm not, advocating for him to have had a job like I, I wanted him gone as well but just when you look at the alternative options like it really only would have been you fire him and then you promote internally and then you're just one coach down like in your organization because that's really the only avenue you had so um while I I don't I'm not like oh yeah they needed to hold on to him because like it might have worked eventually but you know he was the hitting coach last year in 2021 when the offense was way better than we expected. And now he was the coach this year when it was historically bad. So like you fire him. Absolutely. But in July, maybe you look around and go, okay, there's nothing better out there. Let's see if maybe in the second half of this year, he can revert back to what he was doing. That was working objectively in 2021. I don't know that that's just what I think their mindset was. Um, but I also am not really one for, like you said in your question, you you admitted the same mindset. I, I'm not. I don't think that a a, a coach is going to take this historically terrible offensive product and make it like even league average. I think even the best coach of all time probably wouldn't have been able to do that. Um, is there anything else? I don't think so. I think that's everything. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, somebody said, what other music can you recommend? Because I mentioned Peasy, who's I'm a I'm huge into Detroit rap. I just love the city of Detroit. And Peasy's one of my favorite uh Detroit rappers. So somebody said that they listen to Peasy now. And uh yeah. Also, this dude's Twitter name is the Wheeziest Wayne, and like Lil Wayne is also like my goat. So uh, that's kind of funny. No, I mean like Babyface Ray, another great Detroit rapper, All Star Jr., another great Detroit rapper. There you go. Um, I think that's it. I think that's everything I wanted to get to. I'm doing one last kind of run through. Um, oh, Paul asked me splits on if how the bullpen performed with and without a lead. Um, individual players I can do like in wins and losses and in high leverage and low leverage it would take me give me a couple of give me a couple of weeks I will I will do this for you um but not just like a stat that's just like accessible immediately um but I can I can crunch and I can get back to you on that um 
wins and losses. Uh, you didn't ask for wins and losses, but I'm just clarifying. Like wins and losses, obviously, the bullpen in games that they lost is going to have a really high ERA. In games they won is not. With a lead is is an interesting concept, and you you had mentioned this a few times. I've seen you in the replies um, a few times this season talking about like I feel like when we have a lead, the bullpen doesn't do well, and we just never have a lead, and the bullpen does well when we lose. That that I, I will I will number crunch for you. Okay, I will. Give me a couple of weeks and, and remind me if a couple of weeks go by and I don't do anything about it. I think that's it, dog. I think that's everything. Yeah. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen to Lockdown MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and his unique perspective on every team and stories from around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Lockdown MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Such a long episode. Such a long episode. I am so sorry for how long this is. Um, I apologize for that. Like 45 plus minutes long we're about to be. But like I said, I was in that in-between spot with questions where it didn't have enough for two shows, but had probably more than just one show. So we're just going to give you a super long show on Monday. Tomorrow, we start player breakdowns. Also, if you're just now, like you didn't get a question in, if I somehow missed your question, which I'm really sorry if I did, I, I think I covered, there were some comments made, but I think I answered every question. Um, if it, I didn't, like I said, my fault, genuinely sorry. And there will be multiple mailbags throughout the season. So when winter, when, winter, when winter meetings come around, we, we will probably have another mailbag. When spring training comes around, we'll have another mailbag. Uh, maybe even when free agency starts, we'll have another mailbag. We, we will have plenty of opportunities. Now that the Tigers aren't playing every day, we, we will really open the floor up to y'all as, uh, and, and as far as you know what we talk about. Tomorrow, we start player breakdowns. I'm super pumped. I have not chosen who person number one is going to be. Uh, but I'm probably going to start with a bang. I feel like I want to start with somebody that like, I have a really hard opinion on is not coming back next year or maybe somebody that like, I'm super in between on like a five out of 10 on why we're going to do a player grade at the beginning letter grade, then a breakdown of the player season. And then we are going to end the shows with uh, out of a one through 10 scale likelihood of them being back next year. Cause we got a whole month almost like three and a half weeks, four weeks until uh, like free agency and everything's going to open up. Cause we can't start that till after the postseason. Keep an eye out for more Scott Harris moves. This staff is going to be moving. We've already seen it, right? We're already firing people that have been with the organization for 10, 15 years. We're firing coaches left and right. Keep an eye out. This dude is not going to stop. This is going to, there's going to be a lot of turnover and we're already, we haven't even gotten to the players part of the turnover yet. And we already have like half of this like staff seems to be axed. So keep an eye out for that. We'll talk about it on the show when it happens. Yeah. Thank you all so much. I appreciate y'all. Um, peace and love going to therapy's dope. I'm finishing this right before kickoff of the Lions game. So if you ask a question before Sunday at one, that's why I didn't see that one. I think that's it. Time to go get very disappointed by my football team. Go Tigers, baby.